Hi, I'm Sue Elvis from the blog A Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 17. And today I thought I'd talk about resources, all those wonderful things that I found over the past year. Well, I started to make a list of them, and really, I've got too many to talk about in one podcast, but I thought I'd give it a go and share a few things with you today. Now, as I was making my list uh, of websites and books and music, other things that I thought I might like to share, I was thinking about how I'd present it in this podcast, and I thought, well, maybe I could split it up into sections separated by some music. Uh, I had a go at doing that in my last podcast, my Christmas one, and if you listen to it, you will know that my daughter Imogen sang a few Christmas carols for me, which I used as separators between segments. So I thought, well, I might go and have a look for some music that I could use. And I went to Opaz, it's a website for music, quite reasonably priced music, and that's where I actually got my theme tune from, and I thought maybe I could buy another piece of music and use that in my podcast each week to separate the little the topics that I'm talking about. Well, I spent about an hour listening to all the various tracks. They have got a, a great deal of choice on Opaz, but I couldn't make up my mind, and I got in, in a bit of a, a muddle over what I liked best. And in the end, I decided, well, perhaps maybe I could find some free music on Free Music Archive to use instead. So then I spent another two hours on Free Music Archive listening to all the tracks on there. And there is just such a wealth of music on that website Site, and it's all free to use as long as you uh, credit it to the, um, the the composer, the artist who actually put the music on the site for our use. Yeah, it's a bit overwhelming when you go to Free Music Archive and you look at the type of music you want, and you could spend hours and hours and hours sorting through it. And I was listening for, to a few seconds of this and a few seconds of that, and in the end, I came to a section. It was called uh, something like Music for Videos. Uh, music that they've picked out that might be useful for people who want to make videos and use it as backing tracks. And um, amongst that music, I found a piece by a composer-pianist called Dexter Britton. And that led me on another hour's search over the internet, listening to his music and doing a bit of research about about him. And he's a fascinating person by the sounds of it. But what I thought I'd do was, I would, I've got a piece of his music, and I thought that I'd break it up and play it over the course of the podcast. And I hope you like it as much as I do. I think that you'd call Dexter Britton's music um, maybe electronic classical. He does soundtracks. Uh, backing tracks for ads and things, yeah, even songwriting. But yeah, classical uh, electronic was the pieces that I was listening to the most. So I might just start playing a piece and see how we go from there. Now this piece is called The Time to Run Finale, and I think it's one of his most popular pieces.
Now, as I said, Dexter Britton is a composer, producer, songwriter. He works on creating contemporary classical music, film scores, and popular music and songs. And the, the, fact, the thing I find most interesting about Dexter Britton is that he is self-taught. He's never had a music lesson uh, in his life. And I find that very interesting from an unschooling point of view of uh, people teaching themselves, being motivated enough to go out there and experiment, try things out for themselves, and actually succeed at what they're doing. Uh, he has a, a website. You can find him on Free Music Archive and also on SoundCloud. And all his music is available free for downloading on Bandcamp. If you go over to Bandcamp, I'll leave some links in the program notes. You are yeah, free to download any of his music. And he has a number of albums, very uh, prolific composer. Some of the albums, the music in them, you can use for your own projects through Creative Commons, and some you can't, some you can only listen to for your own pleasure. But there is also the option that if you enjoy his music, you can actually donate to him and as a way of saying thank you for his music. And I, I have been really enjoying listening to the albums that I've downloaded and put on my iPod. Now, since I made my last podcast, I've, I've made two new videos. They're on my YouTube channel, Sue Elvis. Uh, they're unschooling videos, only oh, a minute or so long each one. But I, I tried something new this time. Instead of sitting in front of the camera and talking, I've actually done a couple of animations and I've used some music from Free Music Archive as the backing track to my animation. And I was really enjoying trying something new there. A couple of nice pieces, one by Origami uh, Repetica that I've featured in one of my other podcasts. And another piece by a composer, a Russian composer called Kay Engel, uh, his work I really do like, um, again, classical. Now the videos are called What Do Unschoolers Do All Day? and What If We Said Yes? And I made them uh, using the website Powtoon, which is oh, such a, a, a nice and easy resource to make uh, videos using their library of animated characters and props and music. A uh, very easy tool to use, but very effective. So I've been having a lot of fun with Powtoon. Um, the girls have had a look at it as well. And you can sign up for a free account. That's what I did to make my first one. And then after I made the first one, I actually signed up for an educator's account. The, if you want a premium account, it's cost $19 per month billed annually, which uh, adds up to a, a quite a bit if you're not going to make very many animations, if you're not going to use the resource. But the educator's account is really reasonable. It's $2 a month for the teacher's account billed annually and $1 per month for the student's account. And by signing up for one of those accounts and paying, I think it was about, was it $24 a year, uh, you get the added features of extra libraries of characters plus the ability to download the, your videos to your own computer. I have shared both my videos on YouTube and I guess this is the way, if you haven't, if you've got a free account, the way to share them is on YouTube because you can't download them 
to your computer but yeah there's a way around everything I think and I think if you do upload them to YouTube the free account there's always that option of downloading them again from your YouTube channel so you get back to where you started but yeah at the end of the video you get this little voice that says created using Powtoon and if you want to get rid of that of course you've got to pay for more uh, for a, a higher premium subscription. Powtoon I think that's one of the finds of the last year for me I've really enjoyed using that and the girls look interested it's the wrong really the wrong time of year for them to start using something new because uh, they've been distracted by Christmas but I can see that that's one resource that um, we could have a lot of fun with in the coming year now how did I get on to Powtoon well my husband he's a, a primary school teacher I looked over his shoulder one day and I said well what are you doing on the computer that looks interesting and he was putting together a presentation for school I think it was something to do with plants a bit like a PowerPoint but he was using a program called Prezi which is supposed to be uh, like a more interesting version of PowerPoint. We have PowerPoint, but that's uh, maybe just basic nowadays. Prezi might be a better way of presenting uh, a presentation. And so I did a bit of Googling around, and I actually got onto another site called Emaze, who say they're even better than Prezi. I signed up for a, a free account on Emaze, but I haven't actually used it yet. And I can see that Prezi and Emaze would be a wonderful resource for my husband, who wants to put up uh, information for his students on the whiteboard, where they can all share it. It looks like a wonderful way of putting together a lot of information on a, a single topic. For myself, I'm not sure. I like to exploring these things, but I don't know if we'll use that uh, in our unschooling. Some people do like presenting their things that they, they learn, but I feel that's rather artificial for our family, that putting together a presentation feels more like um, school, what my husband would be doing. So I'm not sure the girls will be interested in putting together some presentations, but I mean, it all depends. If, for example, I was doing a book launch or a, another talk um, for a, a conference, I would want to put a presentation together because that's real work. It's for a purpose. And I could see that maybe I'd come back to these websites and have a look at them to see whether I could use their resources to make my presentation interesting. And maybe the girls will come across a situation like that where they'll have to put a presentation together. But for their everyday uh, learning, I don't see that they will be doing that. on googling and I came across another uh, website called Glogster and yeah this is another way of presenting information it's uh, a site where you they've got tools to put together posters online posters and you can add images sound music text even links headings clip art make a, a poster like you would I guess the old-fashioned poster sitting down and drawing up a poster on a topic and you could do that using pens and a piece of big cardboard and I guess this is the updated version you do it online using yeah all the resources that we have 
You don't have to draw the images out. You can import them from Google. You can import them off your own computer. You can scan your own images and add them in. But to me, a Glogster, I went over and I signed up for a free account. Well, because, um, yeah, I'm really good at doing that. I like exploring things. And I actually got a seven-day trial of a premium account. And I only used it for a day just to have a, a bit of an explore around. And then the idea is that you start off with either a template or you could modify somebody else's blog, some some poster that somebody else has already put together, or you can start from scratch. They give you a blank screen and you use the tools and put together your own blog. And if when you've made your blog, you press publish and then it's shared with all the other people who are on Glogster. And you can embed it in your blog if you'd like to and you can print them off. And yeah, anybody can have a look at them. I don't think there's a function that you can make them private. I think it's all public. But yeah, Glugster Edu. And I think it costs just over $23 a year to have one of these uh, accounts. And I was uh, fascinated by it for a, a day and had a good old try around with it and signed the girls up for free accounts to see if they wanted to have a go as well. And after a day, I thought, well, I don't think I really will use it, so I'm not going to subscribe for $23 per year. But I think that you there is a free account, too, that you can use with less of the features, and maybe I'll go back. But I was thinking that anybody that didn't unschool like we did, but maybe had felt the need to have evidence of their children's learning, maybe they need it for registration purposes, they want some nice things to put it into a portfolio, making a blog would be uh, a very effective way of doing this. So yeah, have a look at Glugster if you feel that your children like putting together posters or you feel that you like an interesting way to show that your children have actually covered particular topics that has to have to be covered for registration purposes. Now, another website that we use regularly is BrainPop. I think a lot of people use BrainPop. And the reason that we've had an account for the past maybe three years is because my husband, again, uses his, well, our family BrainPop account at school. He plays the videos through his whiteboard so his students can see them in his class. And every now and then, we'll remember that we have a BrainPop account. And the girls and I will go over and have a look and watch a a video together they're about three or four minutes long and enjoy a video and sometimes we might even do the quiz that comes after the video just as a bit of fun we all have a pitch in and see if we can answer the questions no, I don't really take it very seriously but yeah it's interesting and the results of the quizzes if you're interested in keeping records can actually be saved they can be emailed to your uh, your inbox, your email account. And from there, if you keep an Evernote homeschooling records account, they can be emailed on into an Evernote um, account, which I want to talk about Evernote in a minute. But I had one more thing to say about BrainPop. Because when I was on BrainPop, maybe a couple of weeks ago, I suddenly noticed that they have a, a new function. Well, maybe it's been there a while, but we don't visit often enough, so I don't can't really tell when it appeared. But it's now possible to make mind maps on BrainPop. So if you watch your video and you read all the extra information, which we usually don't do, but it's a lot of good information there and other people might do that. And then if you want to record 
in some concrete way what your children have been learning, you might want to put a mind map together with them. Well, they could put it together by themselves, I guess, or have a bit of fun putting one together. Now, I did find out that if you want to save your mind maps, you have to have an educator's account. And I couldn't see a way of getting an educator's account without actually being a teacher. Maybe I could uh, email BrainPop and say I'm a homeschooler, but I couldn't be bothered doing that because I didn't really think we'd make the mind maps anyway. We actually have iMindMap. It's a downloadable, uh, we paid for it, downloadable software which we all have on our computers anyway for making mind maps. So I wasn't really interested in making mind maps on BrainPop, but I it was a challenge for me. I wanted to find out whether I could actually save a mind map without having an educator's account. So I made a quick one just by myself and then thought about it a while and decided, well, if I took a screenshot of my mind map, which I did, I could save it and then I could uh, transfer it to my Evernote records and that worked. So you can make mind maps um, and then save them without the educator's account. I'm not sure the links work. I don't think if you want all the links in your mind map to work and the video, you can insert bits of the video, then you have to find some way of getting one of those accounts. But yeah, something to think about if you use BrainPop and if you like the idea of putting my maps together. Now my really most favorite resource of last year was Evernote. I don't know how I didn't discover Evernote before. Um, how did I discover it? I don't, can't remember. I think I saw it in my Facebook feed one day. So Facebook is useful for some things, even though I've deleted my, deactivated my account a couple of times recently. But yeah, I found um, a link to Evernote and I went exploring and had a think about it. And I discovered that Evernote is a wonderful way of keeping unschooling records if you are required to do so for registration purposes. And that's what I've been doing for the last year, recording all my girls' uh, unschooling, all their learning experiences that they have, in my Evernote homeschool notebooks and it looks really impressive. I really enjoy putting it together. They haven't had to change the way they're, they are unschooling or homeschooling for the purposes of registration. I've just, um, yeah, we've been able to record what they're doing naturally in a, a way I feel that the home, the education department will um, be impressed by. Oh, yeah, I've really enjoyed putting my Evernote notebooks together. Now, if, there's a lot of information about Evernote online, but I've also written about five blog posts about it, the different ways that I've thought about it and, and uh, suggested that other people might like to use it. Maybe they'd like to use it in the same way as I have. I don't know. There's lots of different ways of using it, I'm sure. I've also made, I think, five videos about how we're using Evernote or how we could use Evernote in our unschooling as well. And you'll find those on YouTube, yeah, on my channel.
A resource that we've recently bought is a Chromecast. I discovered this in the electronic shop over Christmas when I was doing my Christmas shopping. There was a big display by the counter of these Chromecasts, and they caught my eye. And I went home and did some googling as normal and to find out all about them. And it's just a little small little gadget that you. Uh, you plug into your television and then you download an app onto your computer and the two sync up and it allow the Chromecast allows you to play whatever's on your computer screen on your television set. So if you have YouTube videos playing on your computer, you can cast them over to your TV and watch them on the big screen. We've already got a Telstra T-Box which allows us to watch uh, YouTube videos on our TV. But the Chromecast does more than that. We can now watch all those catch-up TV programs that the various channels offer online, like iView, ABC iView. We can watch all those on our TV now. Yeah, well, anything that you find online. I even cast Facebook onto our TV by mistake the other night. Uh, yeah, we were watching a YouTube video together, and then I... Was I went over to my Sue, Sue Elvis Wright's Facebook page to do something, and all the girls were still sitting around the TV, and they all shouted, "We know what you're doing, Mum. You're on Facebook." And I said, "How do you know that?" And they said, "We can see it on the TV, Mum, because I forgot to uh, click off the Chromecast before I actually went over to Facebook." So you got to be very careful about privacy when you're using your Chromecast on your own computer. But yeah, it works wonderfully, and we've been watching a lot of things over the holidays. My husband Andy's been off school now. On holiday for almost two weeks now, and we've been enjoying a few programs together while we've been relaxing. And one of the programs we've been watching is a series called Coal House, which is a reality historical TV series series made in the UK. Someone on my Sue Elvis Wright's Facebook page uh, left a comment recommending the series. Now, we've actually watched a couple of other series on YouTube first. We watched um, another, they were both reality, historical reality series. Um, one was called Tudor Monastery Farm and the other uh, Wartime Farm. And in, in these programs, three people, um, one hist historian, uh, Ruth, uh, her name, first name is Ruth, Ruth Goodman and archaeologist uh, Peter Jin, uh, I think it is, and Tom Pinfold, they did the, the Tudor Monastery Farm together. They spent a whole year farming the, this farm in the style of the Tudor period. They went back they in time and used the equipment and the methods of the Tudor period. They dressed in Tudor clothes. They followed the Tudor customs. Yeah, they, they lived the Tudor life for a year. I don't know if they took breaks from it at all during that year, but the series was really, really interesting. And the most interesting thing I found about it was how much these three people enjoyed living the life. Their enjoyment just sort of spilt over into our lives. I just felt, you know, that it really enhanced our enjoyment of it. And we learned a great deal. I was a bit cautious about the series because, yeah, set in the Tudor times, Henry VII, uh, the Reformation wasn't very far away. Yeah, there was a crisis on the horizon. And I just wondered how these people would present the church. Would they 
do it in a, a positive way or a negative way, considering that the Reformation was coming up. And I found it very, very positive. It was very, very enjoyable. I enjoyed seeing how the church was part of everybody's everyday life in the, at that time. And um, yeah, it was presented in a very good way. But yeah, the, the wartime one too was very good. Uh, that was, we finished that just as the official school term finished and there was just one change in the people that actually lived through that series. Instead of uh, Tom, there was a, a man called Alex Lang Langlands, he, another archaeologist, who joined the team. And we learned an awful lot about farming, well obviously, but farming during the wartime and what a big thing it was to keep Britain fed during the war. And I never thought about that before. That Before the war, they relied a lot on food that was imported. And all of a sudden, that was cut off because of the war. And they had to use every available piece of land. And they had to, to farm. And they had to make sure that land was as productive as possible. So, yeah, that was really enjoyable. But, yeah, now we're on to the coal house. We've got one episode to go, and then I've got to go back to my Facebook page and find the original post for the kind person who left that comment. She wants to know how, you know, some feedback about how did we enjoy the Coal House, and I'm going to say, yes, we enjoyed it immensely. A bit different from the other series, because it only goes over a three-week span, and it involves three families who were chosen out of a lot of applicants to live in a Welsh mining village for three weeks, then they go back in time to, oh, I'm not sure, is it 1927? I think it's between the wars. And uh, one of the families has six children, one has three and one has two. They're very different families. And it's how they get, they, they present a lot of history of that time while they're living the life. They, they have to, they're not give, they're given the clothes of the period and they have to earn the money. They got, the men have to go down the mine. The women have to boil every drop of water that for, for washing, for cooking, that type of thing. They live the authentic Welsh mining village life. And I find that that was very in a diff, uh, interesting in a different way because Whereas the team that went back in time on the farms didn't seem to face many hardships, they thoroughly enjoyed themselves. In this, the coal house, the families obviously are suffering a bit. They have to make ends meet with the very meager wages. Some days they're told that the mine is closed and the men don't get any wages. They have children they have to look after and they're in a real situation. They need money for the milk for the baby. Uh, they face problems, I guess, like families did all those years ago, the worry of bringing up children in those sort of times. Even though they know that they've only got three weeks to live this life, they have to get through this three weeks. And for Christmas, I bought the girls uh, some DVDs of the other farm series. There's a number of them. And there were, I think it's, we bought the, I bought them the Edwardian farm and the Victorian farm. So we're going to be go joining the farm team again in the new year to learn about far life on a farm in both the Edwardian times and the Victorian times. But I discovered there's a, there's a number of these historical uh, reality series. There's a number of them on YouTube. And, the, well, the Victorian and the Edwardian ones aren't on YouTube. That's why I've actually bought the DVDs. But if you go to YouTube and do a bit of... Um, research you'll come up with some but I'll leave some links in the program notes to the ones that I found 
I'm coming to the end of my podcast, rather a long one, lots to talk about, and I know that I've got heaps and heaps more resources that I didn't even touch upon, and whether it's worth making some more podcasts to share some other things, I will think about and see whether I get any feedback from, but yeah, I've got some maths things, some science things, uh, other resources that the girls and I discovered over the last year. I'd just like to thank you for listening to my podcast. If you would like to subscribe to it, you can do that through iTunes. I'll put the program notes on my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family. And you can go over to my Facebook page if you would like to. Uh, you can find me there, Stories. No, it's not Stories of an Unschooling Family. It's Sue Elvis Writes. I've been having some difficulties coming to terms with my Facebook pages and how much involvement I want in Facebook. But my Sue Elvis Writes Facebook page, which I've had for years, it seems to be the one that I'm going to be posting on. So please feel welcome to come over there and join in with the community over on Facebook. So I would just like to wish you a happy new year, start of a whole new year of life of unschooling and yeah I don't know what's ahead of us hopefully some more podcasts and I finished with a last bit of music and I hope you've enjoyed it maybe I can uh, incorporate some more free music from free music archive in future podcasts anyway happy new year